I like giving you real life stories. So, um, so one of my little ones, uh, he's, uh, when I say my little ones, my, my own child is 28, so he's not the little one. Um, when I say one of my little ones, I mean the kids in my practice, uh, the hundreds of kids we see every week. So one of the little ones that we saw uh, recently, um, we were super, super busy, um, and I, I, this kid's been coming for three or four years now. He was bouncing off the walls when he first came, and now he is much more focused and a super athlete. The kid is like, just he, he's like the home run king of his, his ball ball team, and he's amazing. And he drew this picture for me the other day. It's the cutest thing because it, I, I still don't know exactly what it is. I'm just, I haven't, I, he's told me to figure it out myself. And um, I really can't uh, discern what exactly it is that he drew. But it, it's not what he drew, uh, it's that he drew. And that he drew it for me. Um, uh, and he also, uh, you know, drew for other, you know, people. And this, uh, in the practice and stuff. And this is, like, one of the nicest things that kids will do <clears throat> when, when you shower them with love and attention. Like, remember when, you know, you are, if, if someone's calling you doctor, right, you go into 99% of doctor's offices, and that kid is not being paid attention to, that kid is not being talked to, that kid is not being touched, that kid is not being intended to in any way, shape, or form. What's no, mostly happening when a kid is going into an office is they're totally ignored, they're prodded and poked, maybe given a vaccine or something, a shot or something like that, uh, and the, the very little communication is happening. So when you are, when you're reaching someone, when you reach a kid, they want to do something for you. And one of the things that the kids will do in our practices, which I see all the time, is they'll draw pictures for me, they'll draw pictures for my interns, they'll draw pictures for my staff, um, and, and, we, and we didn't have to ask them. It's like I said, hey, buddy, can you draw me a picture? It was like, Dr. Rubin, this is for you. I, I, and I hadn't even seen him yet that, that particular afternoon. The place was really lit up, and, and he, just, he just said, Dr. Rubin, here, this is for you. And I'm like, this is so sweet. And I, I don't know what the hell this is, but I don't care what it is. Like, I don't care if, it's a, if this is a picture of me adjusting someone or... Uh, this is a mountain scene, or I don't know what this is. But it doesn't matter to me, because what matters to me is that he thought enough of me to take his time to draw this picture. And this wasn't drawn, like this piece of paper, this isn't from my office. So he actually must have drawn this, whatever it is, either at home or in school or after school or wherever, and to come and remember to bring it, to give it to me, right? And I think that's like, it just, it warms my heart. Right, and this is this is why you know I do what I do because the the point of to me being a pediatric chiropractor is not necessarily to adjust the kids. That is that is a thing I do as a pediatric chiropractor, but it really isn't the point. The point is to reach them. The point is to reach them and make them feel something that they haven't felt before. Make them realize who they really are. Get them in touch with themselves. Because a lot of these kids are so disconnected, they're so used to being stuck on their phones and stuck on their iPads, and they're, you know, that, that nobody ever really connects with them. So when someone with authority, and believe it or not, I know you guys may not think this way, 
But even if you're an intern in, a, in someone's office or you're a student at the, one of our clinics, you are an authority to these children because you are either you're a doctor or you're associated with a doctor, so you have authority power. So when you pay attention to these kids and you shower love and affection upon them, they feel so great with that kind of attention because they're not used to this, right? In a typical classroom where there's 30 kids in a classroom and a kid is six or seven years old and there's one teacher who drones on and on the entire day, there's zero possibility of that teacher really getting to affect every one of those kids because they got a curriculum, they got to go through all these things. So here you are in a power position as an adult and you are talking to them, you are looking in their eyes, you're smiling and laughing and giggling with them and tickling them and making them feel really good. This is a huge thing that we do, even bigger than the actual thrust thing that like we're, this whole you know, class is all about how to do certain adjustments, right? It's the, the technique. But really, the technique is love. That's your technique. You want to reach kids, then love them because they're not getting it anywhere else. You don't know, if they, you can't say they're getting it from their parents. You can't say they're getting it from their friends. You can't say they're getting it from their grandma and grandpa. You don't know what they're getting. Uh, my assumption, although I'm sure most of the kids in my practice, are, our parents are quite wonderful, so they're probably getting some good love, but most kids in the world are not getting the kind of love that they need, the kind of attention that they need, and it is, to me, it is our job to do that. It is our job to reach these kids on a level that's way different than any other doctor will ever do this. Because most doctors, when you go in there, it is cold, it is desk between you two. If they touch you, it's quick and brief and firm and hard and just diagnostic. Who, what other doctor touches their patients with love and intent to heal versus intent to diagnose. Exactly, none. We have such a special gift and a calling, especially when it comes down to our little kiddos, that we are able to, to introduce something to them that's very, very different. And whether or not they, like some, you could say, well, the kids are on the spectrum, you can't figure, yes, he can, right? Right, just because they can't communicate. Some of these kids, we have a lot of patients that are minimally speaking kids on spectrum, and they don't talk at all. But I know that they get what I'm doing because they smile when they see me, and they pay attention when they see me. And I come into the room, and they're like, oh, Dr. Room's here, and then they just lie down because they know, they, they know what they want. They, like a kid, a kid who does not want to get adjusted will fight like crazy to not get adjusted. And if we, we can, if we want to, and I have friends who tell me they do this, and colleagues who say they hold kids down. They have mom on one end and dad or another CA or whatever on the other end. They hold kids down. And they'll say, I'm, I'm going to deliver my adjustment whether you like it or not. That is, to me, not the way to deliver an adjustment. That's the delivering a thrust. That's doing a technique. But that's not really taking into account that kid, what that kid needs at that particular moment. You know, as an example, last night, this little kiddo comes in, <clears throat> and the mom said to me, um, you know, he doesn't sit still. This kid, he's on the spectrum. He doesn't sit still. He's not going to sit still for the adjustment. I said, he'll be fine. 
he'll be totally fine. It's his first adjustment. And he sat on mom's lap, and there was not a single problem with me adjusting him. And, she, and you could tell she was very impressed because she was expecting him to resist. But there's no resistance. When, when you tune in and focus in on these kids, they don't resist. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> if you're finding a kid is resisting, one of two things is happening. Either they are upset from something else coming in, right? Something just happened. Or you are not in the right place. Your brain isn't in the right place. And you better refocus yourself to get the kid to calm down. So what I usually do in a situation where a kid is kind of upset or whatever is I will tell the parents, you know, just go feed them. Go take them outside. Go in the back room. Play them for a while. Nurse, whatever you have to do, uh, depending on the age. And then we'll see them again. Regardless of whether it's because they're upset because of them or they're upset because my brain isn't at the exact moment in the right place, doesn't matter. Separate yourself, get the kid away, get the kid calm. I want a calm adjustment. I rarely will adjust a kid who's screaming and crying because I want that kid to not come back the next time and feel hesitant about getting adjusted. And that's sort of the, the patient-centered focus that we have started because of like what Webster kind of taught us is to create this, this idea that like we talked about last week, you know, kids are not little adults. You know, with most adults who come into your practice, unless there's some, some other issues going on, you just say lie down and they're fine, lying down. But it doesn't happen with every kid. Every kid may not be ready for that. So you need to tailor your adjustment based upon where that kid is at versus where you want them to be, right? So we have to think about that. And that's why Webster also said like top and bottom, the reason that most kids are having such a hard time, but especially the, the more challenged kids are having a hard time getting adjusted face down, is when you're face down, you're gonna ramp up sympathetics. You lose vision, you'll ramp up sympathetics. Until you know how to control it, you're gonna, lying face down will, will increase sympathetics because it's increasing fear because you can't see anything. So you have to understand that. If the kid isn't ready for that kind of adjustment, then don't force them to go face down. Just because you have a chiropractic bench in your office doesn't mean they have to get adjusted there. They can get adjusted on mom or dad's lap. They can get adjusted on a chair. They can get adjusted on the floor. I don't care where they're getting adjusted, wherever they are comfortable. I've had kids getting adjusted standing up because they're so afraid. In the beginning, not forever, but <clears throat> your early adjustments, you might need to introduce them, and the way you introduce them is wherever they're comfortable, and then slowly you lead them to lie face down. And that might take weeks, that might take months, for one kid, it took a year before the child ever lied face down. He's on the spectrum, very minimally speaking, um, but now he's lying face down to get adjusted. And to me, that's a win, that's a victory. And what's amazing is that, is that dad says, you know, he's calmer now, he's more focused, he's happier in school, and the dad knows when he doesn't get adjusted because the teachers at school will say his behavior's starting to get worse. So they know when, it, when it's been too long, it's like that's their, their barometer of when this child needs to get adjusted or not.